fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 69, Gronk Style, of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. I'm your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me as always, the wolf of Roto Street himself. We are excited because the Fantasy Fullback Dive is going to pave your way to fantasy glory eventually. Not for a while, but eventually. We're giving you a leg up here. We're going to be your lead blocker starting now, but going all season. So uh, you're welcome in advance. We've got an awesome episode here. Combine coach speak. I mean, we've had the combine going on, and I mean, of course, like, you know, these the guys are running, they're jumping, they're getting their hands measured, they're getting their, uh, you know, they're getting their bodies measured, you know, the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world are probably dropping their drawers and getting stuff <laughs> measured as well. There's a lot of measuring going on, uh, but anyway, there's been some great stuff at the combines we're going to talk about. There's obviously some breaking news, uh, Nick Foles variety, Kyler Murray, of course, I mean, there's some combine stuff about him, too. Tons and tons to stay about, some... Uh, soon-to-be former Steelers uh, that we'll get to possibly later. But uh, the Combine coach speak we're looking forward to. we got a lot of risers, a lot of fallers, a lot of significant stuff worth putting in your pipe and smoking here in early mm-hmm. March of 2019. Wolf, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Nat. As you mentioned, uh, the Combine coach speak stuff is going to be huge. So many people get distracted. Not distracted. I mean, it is important watching these guys run around. DK Metcalf putting on an absolute clinic. What a freak animal this guy is. He's a big but dude. But what gets lost is a lot of these coaches finally get, you know, these new coaches, Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay and Matt LaFleur and, and the Packers. It's the first time they really come out and, and speak to the media about their teams and what they're going to do. And, you know, it's coach speak. We call it coach speak for a reason. You never want to go all in on what people are saying but they also will hint at some usage trends different things so that often gets kind of swept under the radar as everyone's looking at how fast this guy ran and whatnot to me especially fantasy football wise the more important nuggets come in these transcripts so our good buddy hannibal hooked us up uh we got access to all the transcripts of the gms the coaches i sifted through i think 40 interviews put together like a 28 page document of all the meaningful quotes and then tapered that down to like about 10 pages for tonight but man we've got a ton of loaded information to break down and cover so i'm stoked about it. the juices are flowing it's it's all right it's, you know it's march the season's gonna be here before we know it although sundays have been pretty hopeless i will say that that's like bowling's on tv yeah like, i mean nba's not even basketball. bringing it yet right i mean right. you know i get pretty excited you know a little bit now a little bit after now for the nba uh close of the season but man sundays are rough yeah, Sundays what do your Sundays look like? What's the dad Sunday look like nowadays? Oh, uh, well, actually a quite a nice little Sunday. Uh, trip to Home Depot, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I mean, we usually take a family trip to the grocery store. Um, Thrilling. Uh, we've actually, we've, we've been doing a ton of four-person, I mean, everyone in my family, uh, Mario Kart. And oh, it, okay, it's nice. pretty nasty. I mean, like, it gets it gets pretty heated. Uh, nice. Yeah, I mean, my my daughter... And my wife are right now just about even. 
my wife was, <laughs> was substantially better for a while, but my daughter's gaining ground quickly. So the, the rivalry used to be me and my wife, which was a pretty one-sided rivalry, but now my daughter, mm-hmm. my daughter's nipping at her heels and it gets pretty Is this like the, the original like N64 one? Or no, is this, this is the... Nintendo Switch, man. This is, uh-huh. this is like advanced stuff. Here. Yeah. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And my son, uh, we have a controller for him and he doesn't do much except just kind of like steer like into the walls. But, uh, but he, he, <laughs> he makes every race take a couple minutes longer than it should. So that's what uh, a dad perfect. Sunday is, which is actually pretty fun today. Uh, you know, it's Monday. It snowed. We went outside. We, you know, did a lot of wholesome family walking right. around in the woods and stuff like that. But I'm exhausted, man, because the kids had a snow day. So this is my break from reality, man. So thank you for doing that for me. I got to ask you something. Love it. What the yeah, hell? Please. What the hell is that big disc that's like taking up half of your screen in front of your face? Oh, this is uh, if it can move the video here. It's like my new setup here. Oh, I got your like spit guard, I, huh? Yeah, my spit guard. I got. I'm professional here. We're really stepping up our equipment that's here, big. but. Uh, Maddie, Maddie Hopkins was telling me that the, the K and the P sounds were yeah, a little too P, harsh. Man. That's true. Yeah. You're popping your P's. That's just like the, you know, the guard they put in front of the salad bar so you don't sneeze in it. So Absolutely. Nicely yeah, done. Yeah. Um, and I've been up in Portland, so with a, the P, uh, Maine, the last couple Sundays with no football going on. Uh, I love that city, man. Once, once we debut yeah. the Roto Street Eats, we're going to have to go hit Portland, Maine sometime because uh, that place let is me know, ridiculous. Man. Let me know. The poutine at Duck Fat. I mean, have, have you ever drank mead before? It was a random question before we get into the good stuff. But Once. mead, yeah, I'm, I'm all about mead nowadays. It's like 15% alcohol, tastes yeah, yeah. like I mean, apple I, juice. I, like, could, I could see myself like having a mead <laughs> bender. Oh, yeah. uh, we we had, I got home from uh, Portland with like six bottles of mead, and me and my roommate drank like all six in one night. Both of us completely blacked. It was a nice way to welcome in. I turned yeah. thirty, by the way. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> I was, 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 was going to say that. How's that treating you? And I feel older by the second. My back's starting to hurt. My thirty, knees are, or, as, off. or yeah. as the Romans would have called it, triple X. Triple X, baby. That's right. Anyway, before, that's way more badass than thirty. I like that uh, a lot. Oh more. yeah, seriously, this is the year you can call yourself that. You get one of those years. Perfect. Anyway, uh, before we get into things, we do want to, uh, you know, kind of pump two of the things we got coming up. Promo a couple uh, <laughs> things. You know, we got the market report coming up. I'm going to kick that to you and let you talk about it. But we got the market report. We also got a great standalone podcast. The Wolf did without the truth. But it's it's still pretty awesome. You got to check it out. Uh, basically, he did an air raid attack podcast with Drew Hollingshead, um, and they're specifically talking about a lot of the Kyle Kingsbury stuff like that. I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'm going to let him do it. So why don't you talk real quick, Wolf, about the market report and about your podcast on the air raid? Yeah, absolutely. The market report. I mean, every summer we release two of them. We get the draft, the pre-draft, and then um, uh, the August happens, the post, the preseason, and then we release a second one. But we were talking, why not start getting these out earlier? I mean, a lot of people are doing best ball number one. These addicts are, are already drafting, and there's still tons of values to exploit this early on. So for those of you that are sick in the head and drafting already for your best ball leagues, we want to get you, you those, va- you those values. Oh, of course, yeah. If you're listening to this, you probably are one of them. But but you know what your values, your overprices, your penny stocks, the risers and fallers. That's what we break in these market reports. So we figured why not start doing these monthly and then maybe come the, the preseason we'll start doing them weekly uh, in that sense. So it's a little bit shorter than the summer ones trimmed down. But all the information that you'd want from those is going to be in there. So one, again, for the best ball drafters. But two, I think it's a really good way to start really staking our claim. Yes, we had you know an article on Patrick Mahomes back in January before Alex yeah. Smith was even released. But if we had four straight months of – 
of market reports leading into the summer, we could really be like, look, we just said this guy's always a value. He never's value never changed through the preseason, all that. And he remains the best value in fantasy football. So it's one to just kind of flag plant for ourselves as well. Um, and it's, it's just a good holistic picture of the market is if we're our whole thing, Roto Street Journal's uh, analyzing the fantasy stock market. It's important to know back in March who was way down that's risen up the draft boards. Is it justified? Who's falling? And is that is that justified as well? Who stayed steady that should have probably risen? Things like that. Just we want to start painting that overall picture. We know you guys are as addicted to us if you're listening now. So give you some more content. If you want to get that, it's free, but it's going to be for our email subscribers only. We really want to start building that list and getting this Wolfpack mentality down so we can launch that this summer. Uh, you got to visit rotostreetjournal.com slash market. We'll post on the, the, all the Instagrams, Twitters, all that, but rotostreetjournal.com slash market. If you want to subscribe to our email list, if you already subscribed, great, you'll get it. But yeah, I also wanted to promo the, the Drew Hollingshead interview. This guy coaches under Mike Leach at Washington State right now, the godfather of the air raid offense. He's his quality control coach. He helps out with the QBs as well. And man, this interview is fantastic. Probably the most in-depth. And we've had some really great we've interviews. Some in depth. Uh, That's saying something, <laughs> if you're really saying that. It's, it's up in that t- the top three, at least, of just like pure football X's and O's, especially if you don't know the air raid. And I knew it, and CJ did a great article on it. Uh, but just to hear a guy that's learning under legit godfather, he actually played under Kingsbury at Houston, um, was recruited by Kingsbury, was his head coach. And so this guy just knows the ins and outs of this offense better than anybody else um, other than maybe those two guys. So it was fantastic having him on. He broke down, you know, how is David Johnson going to be used? Is Larry Fitzgerald still valuable? Uh, in addition to just painting a great overall picture of the air raid. So if you want to learn more, make sure you check that one out. Episode 68 uh, with Drew Hollingshead. What a great interview. And it kind of leads perfectly as a segue into our first breaking news segment. All right. Uh, well, we got some breaking news coming up, like you said, and we're, I guess we'll jump right into that right now. Seriously, uh, you should check out the podcast. It actually dropped today, uh, the Air Aid podcast, and I've already listened mm-hmm. to it. It's excellent. Um, this one will probably drop tomorrow, the next day, just to kind of let that one breathe a little bit. But seriously, check it out. You won't be sorry. All right, we got some breaking news on a couple quarterback situations. Like I said, I'd love to be talking about Antonio Brown. I'd love to be talking about Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the breaking news with Antonio Brown, obviously, I mean, his, he has a blonde mustache. I mean, that's that's <laughs> definitely and, and clearly like exhibiting some disturbing you know, potential mental health issues. I mean, like I yeah. definitely have a lot more questions about this guy. This is a guy that, by the way, is he I've insane? Loved <laughs> and supported like for his entire career, yeah. basically. Uh, I mean, team Antonio Brown, but it's like, now I'm actually at a point where I'm like, uh, would I actually pay this guy this kind of money? Like I, I'm sketched out right. by him. I mean, just, just answer no, that. I, I know agree, I said right? we'd get to something else soon, but like, I got to at least get your take on this. We haven't talked in two weeks. What do you think about what Antonio Brown's doing, man? It is concerning, especially some of the comments lately where he's like, I don't even have to play football this year. You know, I, I, I'm burning all these bridges so fast. This is a guy who I loved so much because he loved the game beyond belief. I thought. He was one of those guys that just worked his ass off to get where he is. He was a low-round draft pick, but just had that work ethic that you couldn't, you know, it was insatiable. And now it seems like the stardom's getting to his head. Oh, as well, anybody, but way over the top now with the blonde mustache, with comments <laughs> that he'll sit out the entire year. I, I would be very nervous 
to be giving a significant investment to get this guy. I wonder what it'll take. They're saying they need a first rounder. There's some rumored teams interested. First, the Broncos were interested. Now they're not. You got the Redskins, the Titans, according to Schefter. Uh, but then you got a, a whole different list from Rappaport. So it really, uh, who knows where it's going. Unfortunately, our guys the uh, that we really wanted to see, the 49ers, have said they have had no discussions about Antonio Brown. That's where I really want to see him. Same with the Colts, too. They said that they've got no discussions going on. Or the Browns, which is another one of our ideal landing spots. So really, none of the teams I want to see him go to. On that list, though, maybe the Titans, because they got Mariota. He's probably the best quarterback because the Redskins, we don't even know who'd be throwing him the rock. It's Yeah, it's a mess, though. I'd be very nervous about investing some serious capital, both money-wise and draft-wise, to get this guy. It's crazy. If you said to me, I don't know, 12, I was going to say 12 months ago, but I mean, how about shit? Like, how about six months ago, seven months ago, you said, okay, in March of 2019, you know, we're saying this a little before the season, Le'Veon Bell will have not played football for an entire year, and Antonio Brown's mustache will be blonde, and <laughs> he will not be coming back to the Steelers, and like he's saying things that are making like almost every team in the league be like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this guy has been the best receiver in football for, for years. He's, he's one yeah. of the best probably five receivers ever already. I mean, yep. just stat-wise. So, anyway. Exactly. That's crazy. And that's where it gets tricky, right? Is like you can kind of eat that risk if you think you're getting the Antonio Brown that will still work hard, that will still be that grinded-out-every-single-day guy. Maybe it was Big Ben was that much of a dick and Maybe. just couldn't handle that. Uh, but Maybe. I mean, if he, had, if, he was just like, if he was just like, I want to leave and hadn't really said anything else, I wouldn't have any reservations at all. But all this extracurricular stuff he's doing is like yeah. giving me pause, which really surprised me because I really didn't think I would have pause with someone like him ever. I mean, I'm I at a point now where if you said to me, and you know how I feel about ODB, if you said to me, would you rather have ODB or Antonio Brown? I'd rather have ODB. Really? Yeah. Divas. I mean, both divas, but yeah. Diva, it's yeah, tough but I mean, that. you know, ODB is at least is on a shitty team like Antonio. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Anyway. All right, let's get into breaking news on quarterback. I said we're not going to talk about Antonio Brown, and then I just went off for, for like three or four minutes. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Right. It's important right now. All right, according to draft insider Tony Pauline, Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury of the aforementioned podcast that we were just talking about <laughs> has told people at the NFL Combine that Arizona selecting Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray is already a quote-unquote done deal. Yeah, it's it's huge uh, news because, one, they took a first-round quarterback last year. And yeah, Josh your boy Rosen. Josh Rosen. Uh, and I'm actually pretty pumped. This is my boy. Yeah, your boy Josh, Josh Rosen. I, I never liked Josh Rosen. Uh, <laughs> but I'm excited to see this because especially after talking to Hollingshead on that podcast last time, he said the number one thing is accuracy and decision-making, which makes sense for a quarterback. It's pretty obvious. But especially for an air raid, you need your quarterback to be closer to that 65-70% accuracy as compared to you know 55-60. is a huge gap in an air raid when you're chucking it 60 times a game almost. Uh, and, and Kyler Murray was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in all of football as compared to Josh Rosen who had a 55% uh Completion rate last year, I averaged like 5.8 yards a pop. It was, it was hideous. 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I just like that a team isn't going to just sit to the vest and be like, yeah, we already invested this guy. Let's wait and see if he can develop. If they know Kyler Murray is their guy, and remember Kingsbury said back when he was coaching in college, obviously he didn't anticipate this was going to happen. He said back in college, though, if I get the number one overall pick as they were scouting for Oklahoma, he said if I had the number one overall pick as a franchise, I would take Kyler Murray, no doubt. 
Uh, and now he's sticking to his guns. Now he actually has gotten the number one overall pick. It sounds like he's no doubt going with uh, Kyler Murray, which as a Cardinals fan, I'd be way more excited about. There's nothing Rosen showed me. Yeah, I get he's young. He's got some arm talent and they're going to be selling him for cheap now. I, I still would be so much more excited with what Kyler Murray could bring. I know he's short, but he measured in at 5'10". Oh, 5'10 and an 8th. That, that's not bad. I mean, that's a lot better than I expected. And even then, it doesn't matter. He's always been 5'10". That was his comments. Like, I've always been 5'10". It's not going to be any different. I know how to play at this height. Uh, I think he's going right. to be that's a beast. I really he, am a he fan. He knows how to play. I mean, he's 5'10 and an 8th. It's like, okay, he knows how to play. He, 5'10 he knows how to play. Drew Brees has succeeded at that height. I mean, I, I'm really a huge fan of Kyler Murray. And, and speaking of Antonio Brown, they are saying maybe the, the Cardinals are going to toss their hat into the ring for Antonio Brown as well. That would be pretty damn exciting to suddenly go from this horrendous, disgusting offense to now being an air raid attack with an exciting young mobile quarterback that can scramble, can make all the throws. Then you get Antonio Brown, the one maybe the best receiver in the game right now with David Johnson. David Johnson. And get a couple line improvements. I mean, the Cardinals could flip that switch real fast. At, at minimum, it's suddenly intriguing to, to know what's Look, going man, on in Arizona. They throw which, Kyler Murray, David Johnson, then you got Fitzgerald, of course, and, and, and uh, Antonio Brown. Brown. I mean, that, that becomes kind of must-see TV. I, I would be so yeah, in this new system that's going to take the league by storm potentially. I, I would the Cardinals went from like puke worthy television, the worst type of offense to ever watch, to maybe the most exciting entering like the Browns if they have all that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very intrigued. So looking forward to what, what Kingsbury, the Air Raid, and Kyler Murray are going to bring to 2019 television for sure. Me too. All right, Les Bowen of the United of the Philadelphia Inquirer reports the Jags are expected to sign free agent quarterback Nick Foles. I mean, you know, b- before we get into the potential ramifications of Foles moving to the Jags, I mean, let's let's pour out a forty for Sir Blake real quick. Yeah, I mean, he's that's, going that's, down. that's that's not okay. I wonder if they just like ship him to London, have him sit there and like build up his legacy. They get their one London game and he comes like storming in like a WWE fighter, like fireworks crowd. Is that crazy. Blake Bortles music I hear? <laughs> he's out of the strip club with Alan Hearns coming down the aisle. Hearns is watching. Like, yeah, he's watching it all. Uh, but yeah, this obviously means Bortles, Sir Blake is on the on the way out. Uh, and it's obviously as a franchise, a, a much smarter move to go with Foles, who's been lighting it up in stretch run. Um, situations here down that for the Eagles and just clearly is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles. So what does that do for the Jaguars? Yeah, sure they is. already have that defense. You need somebody to rally around. Clearly they got a lot of tough personalities there, but if they have somebody they believe in, maybe that defense gets back to the way they were playing just a couple seasons ago. They got John DeFilippo, which is why they're so linked. Uh, he was the Eagles quarterback coach when they made that historic Super Bowl run when Foles just balled out in, in a way that no one still can understand at all uh, so that he gets his guy John DeFilippo gets the quarterback he'd want I think it's going to be great for a guy maybe like D.D. Westbrook because John DeFilippo has been amazing for slot receivers we saw Adam Thielen uh, early on last season was the best receiver in fantasy through those first yeah. 13 weeks until DeFilippo got fired we saw a breakout season for Aguilar just two years ago when DeFilippo was there so he really schemes a lot of volume I could see Westbrook uh, taking that head on and, and Foles being a guy that can actually deliver the rock Westbrook's shooting up my draft board right now uh, because of this move. I'm excited to have Foles there. I think the Jaguars can be a little scary now, uh, again, with a better quarterback. I don't love Foles. It's not like I think Foles is the greatest quarterback to ever play, but he's certainly much better than Blake Yeah, I feel the same way, but you can't argue even a little bit that he's not a step or maybe two steps up from Blake Bortles. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to get to our feature segment, Combine Coach Speak. Now, look, 
a lot of the I mean a lot of guys they're they're breaking down the rookie you know the rookies that are coming out of the combine. That's kind of the obvious thing you're looking for when you're looking at the combine. It's not necessarily the angle we're going with this particular pod. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what this is going to be, as far as you know what you've sifted through all these interviews and stuff. What are the coaches saying? Why is that significant? And then I'm going to throw you a few risers and a few fallers and let you riff on them a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. As I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, this is where I really think the meat is of the combine that gets overlooked by nearly everybody else because it's flashy to watch these rookies and see how great they are. But really, there might be two to three rookies that make a genuine fantasy impact this year, especially with such a weak running back class. I, it's Rookies are just always kind of like a flashy, exciting thing to talk about, but it, it distracts us from the stuff that could be genuinely uh, meaningful for some names that we all know that we've all seen play that have established values that now are going to be rising and falling because of the comments. So yeah, I've sifted through I think 40 different interview transcripts. Uh, it was just psychotic. I sat here for like a Thursday and a Friday and just sifted through all of it, made a 40-page document, trimmed that down for this interview to I think I've got it to I think 15 nuggets that I really want to go through. We got six risers. Five followers, all backfield related, and a few penny stocks that I saw some comments on that I really was intrigued by. Uh, so uh, we pared it down as much as we can, and we're going to just hit you with a ton of must-know stuff. If you didn't pay attention to these quotes and these comments from the coaches and GMs, this is what you need to know. So here's the quotes. Here's the impact. Here's what's happening on the rankings. We got we got a ton of names to cover here. All right, let's start with the risers. We got six of them. We'll go real quick. Uh, Marlon Mack is he about to be a featured back in an explosive attack? From what Frank Reich and GM Chris Ball are saying, both guys say absolutely he can be a featured back. That was the specific question. Will he be your featured back? They said absolutely. Uh, pretty good. He had 1,200 yards through the playoffs, and that's with missing four games. We think Marlon Mack can play on all three downs and carry the load, said GM Chris Ballard. Frank Reich, who's typically a committee guy, says he he handled it. He shouldered it. He got much better as the year went on. Um, and Marlon hit his groove, and we were just a much better team with him in there. So I, I think absolutely Marlon Mack could be a featured back. He crushed it from week six on when he returned. He had an injury to begin the year. Gets back in week six. He ranked fifth in the league in rushing attempts. Again, for a committee base coach, that's a ton. 173 carries for 785 yards. was the seventh most rushing yards. If you include the playoffs, he gets up to 979, uh, which is the second most over that span. He had mm. 10 touchdowns, second in the league in touchdowns from week six on, which is the, the the best stat. He's the goal line back, even though he's a little bit smaller, and he executed really well. He had he was the most first down rushes in the league at 57, and eighth in fantasy points from when he returned uh, from week six on. So he was a, a genuine number one running back for your fantasy team. And also to note, just quickly, the Colts were 10-0 anytime Mack had 14 touches and 0-3 if he didn't have the ball 14 or more times. So to me, that seems like a formula you want to build on as a team. You get a, a back here now that's going to get 15, 20 touches each week in a very explosive offense for the Colts. He's up to above 30. He's number 29, 28 or so, a fringe second rounder, in my opinion, Marlon Mack. Right alongside, I'd say, Sony Michelle, Aaron Jones. i probably lean Marlon Mack now over those guys uh, with this news yeah i think i agree i mean we kind of danced around him a lot of last year where we were mm -hmm. like oh naeem hines and uh i forget yeah. who else we've been talking about and then it's like we were like yeah, the coaches before the season were all saying it's it's mac it's mac and we kind of didn't believe him but then turns out they i were, know it turns out they were telling the truth <laughs> they were <laughs> all right number two uh robbie anderson characterized as unique by Adam Gase, uh, or is it possible his usage is about to seriously skyrocket? I mean, the guy basically 
last year and the year before, there were like stretches where he was like the best or one of the best guys in the NFL stat wise. I mean, he had one of those to end last year, right? Yeah, he, the fantasy playoffs, he was the number two wide receiver behind only DeAndre Hopkins. He rips off 20 catches, 312 yards, three TDs, and as predicted here on the fantasy fullback dive, was a season winner. We kept tracking his usage, saying since he got back uh, and Sam Darnold returned in week 14, peppers him with like 11 targets. And we're like, oh, look, you got to pay attention to this. He gets another eight targets the next week. We say, your fantasy championship, you know, we were 15 spots higher on Robbie Anderson, and he goes and wins you a title with like 150 yards and a TD. is ridiculous. We called it the cum cave in my basement because we all had started Robbie Anderson. He was blowing up for all of us. So it was unbelievable the the run this guy went on to close out the season. Number two again, behind only DeAndre Hopkins. And it sounds like there's a reason that could continue. Uh, again, you got that rapport. We got a guy that could track the deep ball as well as any. And Adam Gase said, this is the guy that surprised me the most as I've been breaking down film on my new team. I'm so impressed with his speed. It's unique. You don't see guys that have the way he tracks the ball down the field. I've never seen a player that does does it as smooth as he just plucks it out of the air naturally at the speed he's running. It's insane. Uh, he's never seen it before. Now he says, we're going to try to keep thinking of ways to get him the ball, ways to create variety in his roots, routes, and instead of just using him on one or two things, which is what he's been kind of labeled, that one-trick pony. He's saying maybe we can free him up for five, six, seven different types of routes. Uh, he's a threat on multiple levels, whether it's underneath, intermediate, or down the field. So to me, that sounds like a target hog, number one wide receiver that Adam Gase is envisioning for Robbie Anderson. We don't know if they'll trade for somebody or draft somebody to threaten him, but we saw that chemistry. We know that he, he can make those ridiculous stretch runs where he's the number two receiver for the playoffs. The year before, he was the number two receiver for a six, seven-week span when him and McCowan were just dominating. So we've seen it, but then it always becomes inconsistent and he kind of disappears and becomes that one-trick pony. If this usage is going to become that much higher and this much more varied, I really think Robbie Anderson could just have a consistent regular season. He's number 60 right now on my big board my wide receiver 26 and that seems almost a low even though i'm about 20 spots higher than the ecr for that that number 60 overall all right gus edwards is the ravens new number one running back potentially i mean alex mm -hmm. collins out all of a sudden you know yep. now the bus is all of a sudden Gun charges pulling into the garage as the number one option maybe just maybe that's what john harbaugh is saying what do you think I mean, it doesn't seem like it's there to last for the full time. But, yeah, right. Harbo says our number one running back. I expect him to build on that. He's a, a rookie in his second year that got much better. 240-pound guy that brings it every single snap. you got to love that. So it sounds like he does really like him. So who knows? And what I really liked about his quote, though, was when he said he fits well with the running game we're involved with. That's because Greg Roman took over the offense. Uh, that, that's when we saw that Lamar Jackson transition. They just became this very power run-heavy focused team and that's where Edwards started to thrive he didn't take the reins until week 10 but then he never looked back he was actually the RB 14 from week 10 on uh, when he became the starter but he's right now ranked as the 39th best running back I get it it's maybe they're going to make a move maybe they've been linked to Ingram and even Le'Veon Bell's been rumored to potentially yeah. go there but this happens every offseason. You know, Chris Carson's going to get stolen from, and then he ends up being the RB15 in the year. D'Angelo Williams, a couple of years ago, when Jonathan Stewart came in, was the number one running back in fantasy. There's always these guys that are going to surefire lose their jobs, and then they don't. And then they end up being extremely valuable picks, especially if you're doing best ball right now. Some of the most 
valuable picks are those ones that everyone expects them to lose their jobs. They're going at 150 or so overall. And then there's still the starter, and they, they shoot up come summertime, like seven or eight rounds. But if you're drafting this early, you could get a real steal in Gus Edwards if they don't replace him. All right, Dante Pettis had a strong finish to 2018. Uh, yeah. What Kyle Shanahan have to say about that? Is he thinking we're building on this? Is the guy just going to kind of settle in, or is he thinking maybe bigger and better things? I think he's singing great things. He said that was our best receiver down the stretch, and we saw that he can play all three positions. And in the Shanahan offense, when he finds a guy he likes to move around and put it all three positions, that becomes that target hog, that alpha X. And Pettis could potentially be that. I mean, he really did finish the year as a number one wide receiver from weeks after the week 11 bye, where they were saying he was banged up all year. He wasn't really fully healthy. And he finally comes in, gets to full health come week 12, 12, 13, 14, 15. He was a monster 77 yards in a td 129 yards two tds 49 yards in a td 83 yards just all double digit games was the number five receiver from that that four week stretch and then he gets hurt again so that's obviously the concern here with pettis is he was wasn't healthy to begin the year and then he got hurt to end the year so can he actually stay healthy and do a full season of this ah who knows but he was averaging 16 and a half points per game over that span and that was with nick mullins throwing in the rock imagine what he could do when you get jimmy garoppolo back there a real legitimate quarterback I'd be pretty excited what uh, Dante Pettis can do, and he's going after round seven, eight. So a lot of upside for a guy that Kyle Shanahan's labeling in every down, like all three wide receiver positions. A lot of upside there for Dante Pettis at his price. All right, let's talk about Damon Williams, who's somebody that we've talked about before. We were saying, like, is he he going to be the guy? And we were both like, yeah, why not? I mean, when he was the guy, he was really, really good. And so, I mean, you're putting out there, it's his job to lose. That's kind of how I feel like it should be. You feel the same way? That's I feel the same way. And GM Brett Veach, the guy who's going to make the decisions for the backfield and who they draft, said the same thing. It's his job to lose. He he was special. He he just needed the opportunity. And when it presented itself, he ran with it. He can run. He can catch. He can block. He does everything really well. I would certainly say this offseason, it's Damien's job to lose. That's huge news because when Damien had the job, he was unstoppable. He scored 10 TDs in six weeks, which is just crazy. I get it. It's a byproduct of an explosive offense, but that's still going to be very much place he scored 132.6 ppr points in six weeks that's 22.1 points per game for perspective (laughs) that would have been 353 points on the season and todd Gurley led the league with 342 so this guy's pace was better than anybody else in the nfl when he was the actual starter and he reads always preferred a workhorse that he can throw to that he can disguise coverage all that stuff uh andy reads always done that so the volume will be there if he's the lead guy. The offense obviously can't be any better than what the Chiefs are. Damian Williams is right now going at pick 54 or so in best ball because I think everyone thinks he's going to get this job taken from him. I have him ranked at 14 overall, so I'm 40 spots higher than the experts. And if he is, again, confirmed Wait, where to do that the full-time experts, start, where do the experts have him? He's like 50-ish right now in what? the rankings. I think everyone assumes he's going to lose his job and not be the guy, but these oh comments suggest otherwise. His play, oh. I mean, he looked really good while he was out there. He fits exactly what this team needs, so why spend that running back but, when you have so many defensive needs? It's going to be his job, and he's going to thrive. So if you can get him at pick 50 in best ball right now, you better take advantage pick, of that. I don't, even, yeah, I, don't, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, I mean, Isn't that crazy? When, you, when you said 14, and I, I, didn't, I hadn't looked at the – you know, where his ranking was and stuff, I literally was about to say you might have him a little low. Yeah, right? He should be a maybe first draft <laughs> I mean, I was point, thinking right? maybe like, overall. Ma- yeah. Right, no, I was thinking like maybe like 12. Something, you right, know. Exactly. Uh, 54, what? 
That's I so know. Stupid. It's insanity. That's, yeah. Unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about, which is, of course, possible. But just based right. on the information that's in front of us, like, come on, man. 54, you, that's the dumbest thing ever. This guy. Yeah, the uh, only way, I, the only reason I don't see him being like a fringe first rounder is if they go and sign like Ingram or they bring in, you know, Le'Veon Bell, a guy that, that would take well, over that job for him. But I, I expect him, you know, they'll probably draft a running back in three or four round, round then. And it's going to be Williams' job to lose, and I don't think he's going to lose it because of okay, how well. I mean, than, this was the playoffs. They leaned heavily on this guy, and he didn't do anything but thrive for him. Why would you go away from him? Okay, like, yeah, I agree with you. They shouldn't go away. I mean, they, there's other issues they should be addressing. To me, like, this is not a bleeding limb right now for them. Let's say they brought in someone like Le'Veon Bell, who's obviously an upgrade from just about anybody. That's fine. I would rather have Damon Williams than Mark Ingram. Yeah, the way he played, it really it would be tough to argue. And Mark Ingram's like 30 years old. There's no real upside to signing that guy to a huge contract, especially when you got someone who's already thrived for you on the brightest of stages and does everything Andy Reid asks of his running back. I I don't see a way that Damian Williams isn't their starting running back, and the, the value you can get on him if you're drafting right now is absolutely insane. All right, last riser. David Johnson, potential yeah. keeper for the Truth's hometown league. Potential. Back to 2016 workhorse ways under Cliff Kingsbury. What do you think? I'm following this closely. I have to make the ultimate decision at you know sometime in the next six months or so between Nick Chubb, whose stock has plummeted, David Johnson, mm-hmm. and Sony Michelle. So, oh man, talk to me I, I, right now. If I if the guns to my head, it's going to be David Johnson, especially with these recent comments from Cliff and after listening to Hollingshead's interview. Uh, I really like what David Johnson's upside's looking like for 2018. Kingsbury himself comes out and he says, he's, it's exciting for us. He's a couple years removed from a monster season. He's referring to a 2100 total yard, 20 TD season with 80 catches. So yes, Cliff, that was a ridiculous season. So I'm glad you're aware. And what Cliff says is he's got the talent to, to get back to that level. We want him back there. We're going to make him a pivotal part of our offense. He's got the mental makeup and talent to do that. So Kingsbury's already coming out and saying this is going to be our centerpiece. And at first, I was like, all right, it's an air raid offense. The name alone is like, eh, it just doesn't sound like there's a place for a running back in there. But after talking with Hollingshead as well, uh, you hear these comments from Cliff. Hollingshead talks so much about whether it's in the running game, you're, you're so spreading, you're spreading the defense out so wide that the running lanes, the, the gaps are much more open for the running back in the run game. But then we pepper them with targets. So you, you got all these verticals, the four verts and the meshes and all these things going on down the field that the underneath stuff's so open for running backs that he expects David Johnson to get right back to that 80 to 90 catch range uh, as do I. So you give you, this could be one of those, you know, Todd Gurley style resurgences. After a couple down years, he gets the right coach to really unlock his upside. I think that could be Kingsbury, especially with Kyler Murray also coming in there. Maybe Antonio Brown. This offense just gets a little more explosive. I mean, a little more. I mean, it, a thousand times more explosive if you got Kyler Murray and Antonio Brown coming in there too. I love everything about it, and I really think uh, this offense is going to turn it around, and Johnson's going to be the focal point. So he's up to 13 on my running back rankings right there at the fringe first rounder. And to me, those other guys you listed are nice like fringe second rounders or so. I think Johnson's a tier above them. The only other guy, I know you have Hopkins. I'm going to take Hopkins over any of them, but Johnson would be the next one up on that list that you gave me. I agree right now. I like Sony Michelle a lot though too. 
I love so, but you got to be nervous, right, about the Patriots. Yeah, of course I'm nervous about it. Look, I want it. I want to keep David Johnson. I really do. I just need someone. To, I need somebody back. to push me in the right direction. Look, I'm when I, it. you know, in a, in a, a month ago when I put this out there, you like almost mocked that. You were like David Johnson. I don't. I don't even love the talent. I don't even think you should keep. And I, and I mean, I would. So I mean, like things change fast. Like those it three does. guys that I'm trying to decide between have probably all been been in. Uh, every one of those guys has been in the one, two, three slot. Like in the last yeah. month, and we haven't played football in months. I, I really think the the latest I've learned, because I didn't know a ton about the air raid. Now that I've learned more and more and how integral a good running back that can catch the ball can be to that attack, to me it's almost a no-brainer at this point. I, I do want to see how he's looking and how it's developing. Obviously, you got some time to see all that. But if you were deciding today, David Johnson's taken a huge he, – yeah, he was – like you said, he was in that 20-ish range with Sony Michelle and them just a, a couple weeks ago. But after that interview and learning more and more and then hearing Kingsbury come out and say, we want to get him back to that 2000 total yard level, uh, I'm back and I'm all in on David Johnson again. All right, let's talk about a few fallers real quick. Todd Gurley, he who has been diagnosed with arthritis in his knee, that is sketchy, uh, mm-hmm. is his workload about to come down? It sounds like it. I mean, both McVay, both GM Les Snead had a variety of comments uh, that suggested they're going to be bringing in somebody else, whether it's C.J. Anderson returning or someone new. They're calling it kind of like a Batman and Robin situation and oh, all these like, weird little keywords uh. that, of course, suggest it's going to be a committee. Um, and that makes sense, especially if he's got arthritis in the knee and he's starting to see like stem cell therapy and all these interesting reports coming out. Uh, we saw him kind of crumble there towards the, the stretch run. And and a lot of their comments are, how do we preserve this guy both for a full season, for his long-term career? It's about a marathon, not a sprint mentality, and we need to be more cognizant of that is the general premise of everything they're saying. So, yeah, you got to expect his touches to go down. I still wouldn't overreact. I mean, let's say it drops from him being like the 90% guy to 65% and there's a guy getting 35% or so of the snaps. In this offense, I still think – and then with his talent and with that line and everything else around him – he would still be a top five pick, in my opinion, if he's getting 65% of the backfield volume. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at guys like Kamara and, and McCaffrey, probably jumping him now on my big board. But I still, if, if his owner's freaking out in Dynasty or sell, 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 and this stigma of Gurley being just useless starts to come out there, or this mega risk that you need to avoid, this guy's a horse. This guy's a beast. Everybody's got like arthritis in their knees at this point of their NFL careers, let's be honest. like I, I read a report from a doctor that was like, yeah, half these guys have arthritis in the a medical doctor yeah yeah exactly he wrote like a post about it one of those twitter doctors i don't know if it's actually real who knows one of those guys but i I take what i can find and they're just saying it's going to be overblown and i think that's the case and i think right now if if somebody's panicking on todd Gurley, go ahead and try to buy him because i still believe in the guy he's still a top five fantasy talent he's been the number one guy back-to-back years in fantasy even with 65 percent of the volume he's still going to score about 300 fantasy points and be a monster so so capitalize right now people are trying to buy uh sell him i'll buy him all day uh james connor facing a committee risk with jalen samuels in pittsburgh what are your thoughts on that um it's kind of cringeworthy that one makes me a little more nervous because whereas Gurley is an elite talent, a guy that's going to be locked into 20-ish touches a game just because of how good he is, even if it, it drops a little bit, Connor isn't as elite as these other guys. Yeah, he played really hard and he runs the ball aggressively and he's a good pass catcher, but he's nothing special. No, I mean, he's Jaylen not Sam- on the same level as a lot of these guys, though. 
No, because, I mean, this is what we've seen with the, the Steelers' backfields. Why Le'Veon Bell might have cost himself some serious dough is James Conner comes in and he kind of replaces uh, Le'Veon Bell to a pretty adequate level. We saw D'Angelo Williams have monster games. And then Jalen Samuels himself comes in has 160 yards against the Patriots. I mean, it's the system. They loved workhorses. They feed their guys a lot. And now they're kind of hinting at, yeah, maybe we, we go back to a committee more to keep our guys healthy, to split that load up against the, the GM Kevin Colbert came out and said they're very encouraged by what Jalen did at the end of the year there. Uh, the, the two of them together complement each other very well, so we hope to continue that and to grow that. So that, to me, suggests a committee. So when the talent's not as great, that's something where Samuels could someday take over. It could be a swing, because I really don't think there's much of a gap between Connor and Samuels talent-wise. I don't think either are particularly special. So if this gets closer to a 60-40, 50-50 split, suddenly Connor, who was so value-dependent, so uh, so volume-dependent, and so, it obviously, again, the volume in such a great offense made him valuable. But if he's not getting those 25 touches a week, and it's more of a, a 18-ish type of, type of thing. I don't I don't love his situation there. So he falls out of the first round for me. I'd rather have, I think, David Johnson at this point. I definitely would rather have Joe Mixon, who's locked into serious volume and an explosive attack. I'd take all those tier one receivers, the Hopkins, the Devontae Adams, the Julio Joneses, probably even Antonio Brown, depending where he lands, above Connor at this point. He took a, a decent hit, probably six, seven, eight spots from number seven all the way down to 14, 15 range for me. I'm very nervous about him. He's, he's, I'm labeling him already the early bust of 2019. Oh, and, and be ready for the fans next year, uh, you know, complaining about uh, Jalen Samuels, uh, tight end uh, designation yeah. on Yahoo. <laughs> so you can always count on him as a potential oh, pickup. God, all right. yeah. All right, number three, Aaron Jones, potentially doomed for committee again in 2019. What? What the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me? I know it's. it's Don't just, they it's, listen to this podcast? Either it's infuriating. It's fucking awful. Um, I I don't get it. I don't get how there could ever be a consideration for a committee when you got such a enormous talent gap between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. But here we are. And what I'm going to say is Why? yes, it hurts him. I know it sucks. It does hurt him. But it also to me. Is one of those situations where Matt LaFleur is so ground dependent. It's the offense is marrying the run and pass game. So they have to establish such a big uh, presence on the ground that this is going to be the most run heavy attack the Packers have rolled out in, in recent memory. Ever since Mike McCarthy got there, they've been the pass happiest team for year in and year out. So the ground pie is growing a ton. So even if it becomes a little bit more shared in that ground pie and it, it remains a committee, I think there's going to be enough overall volume increase that it's not going to kill Aaron Jones. It would have been nice to see like, yeah, Aaron Jones is our main guy and then we're going to have Jamal Williams working behind him. They didn't say anything like that. So until we have that confirmation, it's going to be a little bit sketchier to me. And yes, his ceiling is now officially capped because we know it will be shared but Jones isn't the biggest guy he's he's been hurt a couple of years in a row so this doesn't ultimately kill him especially if it preserves him what I really hope is he's the guy that gets the 15 plus touches a week uh, Matt LaFleur has always given a running back at 87% of his games 15 plus touches I just really hope it's, it's predictable and it's clearly Jones each week because then he's still going to thrive and he's still going to be a beast he only needs 15 or so touches to really be a monster remember he's uh, we've had this stat on here a bunch when he's gotten 15 or more touches, uh, he's, his 
pace, a 16-game pace. So that's happened eight times. If you extrapolate those stats, become 1,766 total yards and 18 touchdowns with 50 or so receptions to go with it. So if he gets 15-ish or so touches, this is going to be fine. It's going to be water under the bridge. It won't matter. But I do need to know that Jones is the main guy before Jamal Williams. He's going to be like the 60 to the 40 of this committee. And then I'll be ready to go back all in. This does make me a little bit more nervous. It is a little bit annoying. Uh but I'm not jumping ship and avoiding Aaron Jones quite yet. Not avoiding him, but come on, man. That's discouraging. That's discouraging, dude. Discouraging. And there's a real theme to these fallers, by the way, because now I'm looking at number four, Chris Carson stuck in a one, two punch backfield. Isn't that the same thing as a Batman Robin or a committee or a thunder and lightning or, you know, any of that (laughs) dumb shit that like people say, it's like, this is all happening. These are like workhorse potential guys. Guy, you know, selfishly guys that could carry a fantasy backfield. We're like, hey, yeah. instead of just like telling you, hey, guys, we're going to dick you around. We're going to dress it up with a cool name. Hey, this is going to be a one-two punch backfield. Yeah. In other words, <laughs> we're going to fuck you completely. Uh, Chris I, Carson stuck in a one-two punch. Yes. It sucks. I mean, I love the emotion behind there, too. Getting it's fired up. fucking pissing me off, man. It's getting hard to figure out who the hell you're supposed to draft in a backfield now. I know. The committee sucks, especially when you see Carson thrive as a workhorse. He was an absolute monster last year. 600-yard games, nearly 1,200 rushing yards, 9 TDs, was the number four running back for fantasy playoffs. This guy was a workhorse and a monster with that volume. So, yeah, it is, it is annoying. This one's similar to the, the Packers one where it's such a great sized ground pie that even if it is distributed to two guys, Carson would still have some value. I don't crush his – he's going to fall six, seven spots spots or so on the big board kind of taken away from the Sony Michelle and Marlon Mack tier and now more so with like the carry on Johnson's and like the Jarek McKinnon's and the four nets the, the bigger question mark guys because I mean the, the one thing I hated about this comment was he says a one-two punch and I don't know who's one and who's two it doesn't matter to me I don't like that I would have loved to see him be like yeah Carson was a monster he's going to be our main guy and we're going to ride him but he doesn't even come out and say that which is kind of frustrating because they do have a your first round trade up draft capital in Rashad Penny he did look pretty explosive in limited touches last year and they're saying they want to get him rolling more so that is that is frustrating it is annoying I still think Carson remains the guy he's still about 40 or so on my list Penny becomes an interesting Penny stock <laughs> to not use his name or anything like that as convenient but yeah penny becomes an interesting penny stock in the wake of this it just goes from yeah the a surefire high-end rb2 low-end rb1 to now a mid-range guy that has some serious warts and question marks in chris carson and i don't love it hey you want to go along with the same theme here carry on johnson committing trapped once again awful yeah i mean just we don't why even say anything awful Awful. it sucks i mean they they bring in amir abdullah back yeah, right. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm not shocked because Patricia and Bob Quinn, they come from the Patriots way of there's always a system and there's always balance and there's always got to be a spread. I just carry on so much better than anyone else they had. They started to get away from the committee by the end of last year, and it was nice to see. And I would have loved to see some comments like, yeah, carry on started to thrive. We want to give him more volume. But no, they're all saying we hope he can do what he did last year uh, in, inside a committee. GM Bob Quinn saying, I never like to say bell cow, which is my favorite word in the world. So fuck you, Bob Quinn. I know, seriously. Bell cows are the best. Like, you don't like the word bell cow? You're not a human. You're not Fucking a Matt Patricia's like, you know I'm a rocket scientist, right? 
Yeah, fuck you. Fucking you can't even figure out how to use a, a running back the right way. Jesus. She goes to say, you know, passing game guy, Theo Riddick, and then Zach Zenner. Zach Zenner. Fucking, you're bringing up Zach Zenner. Go fuck yourself. I know. He's Why? Yeah, disgusting. Why like, this? This, is, yeah, a, this so, is making me mad. I'm glad the podcast's almost over because, like, I'm, I'm starting to get <laughs> fired up, like, in an unpleasant way. I'm, yeah, I'm going to have, a, like, an aneurysm on the, <laughs> the, the podcast. I well, I haven't done this in two weeks. I'm not in podcast shape. And now you're just saying things that are just making me really angry. I knew this committee run would really put you through the gauntlet here. I told you I was going to get you fired up for the podcast, and here you go. I mean, some this of these are so reaction. stupid. They just, like, the, it makes me so angry. Like, I get the girly thing. I get it. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, if he has arthritis in his knee or whatever, trying to, like, not run the guy into the ground, I get it. But some of these are just, like, ridiculous. It just reminds me of, like, what Derrick Henry went through for years when you were all in on Derrick Henry multiple right. times. They're like, you know what? We're going to platoon Derrick Henry with jackass. No, anyway. Go ahead. Right, exactly. I digress. No, it's, it's just the overall case in point is there's a lot of guys that could have been legitimate RB1s. They have the talent. They they have the three-down skill set. And it's, it is frustrating to see that the coaches aren't going to unleash them in the way they can. And there's so much value. It's not that we're just fantasy owners that want all these RB1s, which of course we are and of course we do. Yeah, of course but we are. But as an offense, it gives you such an advantage to be able to disguise your looks and, and you don't know if they're running or passing because they have the same guy in and you can throw to them. You, I, I don't. I mean, I, as a fantasy owner, I hate the committee because it, it kills value. And I think there is a lot of value to having that one kind of workhorse guy. That's just my style. I love bell cows. So it is annoying to see some of these guys that could be monsters in Carson and Connor and Carry On to know they're going to have a thorn in their side all year is very frustrating for sure. And it makes me think early on you got to get those work. You know, we talk about building the stable. It makes the, it, the few that are there more and more valuable. Exactly. So, you know, it looked like that stable was about to get to grow and add some some real key ponies to that 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 backfield stable. But it seems like that list is going to remain an elite few. So you got to make sure you get those guys in round one if you can. All right, let's do penny stocks. Let's do them kind of rapid fire. We got like yeah, five gotta, of them. Um, let's start. I'll with go fast. Chris Herndon set up for a major role under Adam Gase? Question mark. Yeah, he called him a unicorn because he's an every-down player. He can block really well. He can catch the ball really well. And, and rookie tight ends usually suck. And this guy was pretty damn solid all year. So I think a nice big step forward in, in year two could be in the cards for Chris Herndon. Uh, and we've seen Adam Gase with Julius Thomas a few years ago back in, in Denver. Knows how to really use those guys and their big bodies in the red zone. And Herndon's got that athleticism, that vertical to go up and get it. I think he's got some real 8-10 to 10 touchdown upside next year. Bruce Arians on Peyton Barber and Tampa Bay, quote, the kind of guy I like to build around, unquote. We've been fooled by Peyton Barber before. We have, and Bruce Arians, if this guy somehow enters the season as Bruce Arians' guy, he's going to be a fifth, sixth rounder, in my opinion. So that's yeah, I those, agree. Like, in best ball, take that. He's going to pick 120, 130. This is kind of like that Gus Edwards style. Like, we don't expect him to be the starter, but if he is, he's going to be really fucking valuable. So take a stab on him. He's only going, it's going to cost you a pick 120 or so right now because maybe Arians does end up building around him and he, he does a nice job. But ultimately, there's so many Le'Veon Bell and Mark Ingram linkings going there to Tampa Bay. I see no way Barber's the guy, but if Arians loves him and they don't make any moves, then this could be some real upside there. How is wide receiver Christian Kirk going to fit into this offense? And Cliff Kingsbury says he's dynamic. He's a guy who can play inside, outside. When the ball's in his hands, he's really explosive. Those are all the staples of the air raid, moving your guys around, using them down the field and in running after the catch situations. So Christian Kirk, our guy Hollingshead, said he really expects this guy to take a massive sophomore leap forward, and I'm agreeing, especially when Kingsbury's recognizing the talent he has in front of him. Elijah McGuire, the forgotten beast who could thrive. 
Accurate it's assessment? Similar. Uh, probably not, but I mean, he was a monster <laughs> down the stretch, a top seven fantasy running back for the fantasy playoffs because he just got so much volume. Could it be that situation yet again, like Barber, like Gus Edwards, where we think he's going to lose his job to a Le'Veon Bell, uh, a Tevin Coleman, and then McGuire's ends up being the best bet. He's the only one that they keep. And you've got this guy going after pick 100 that ends up being a starting running back with some talent and some volume. That could be McGuire. One of these guys is that's going to happen to. That's why I kind of just want to emphasize it. Like most of these guys are going to have their jobs taken, right. but at least one of McGuire, right. Barber, Gus Edwards is going to pan out for one of them, and they right. all go right. after pick one hundred. So take them all and figure out which one it is. You're like, look, I got to be honest with you guys. I want to be clear about this. Most of these <laughs> men will be begging for change on the street by by <laughs> September. Yeah. I just want to exactly. be totally transparent about how I'm assessing this. Uh, last but not <laughs> least, or maybe last but least, Edo Smith set for a major pass game role in the explosive Falcons attack. Falcons who sucked donkeys last year. Go ahead. They did, they, they did, but he's supposed to see a significant increase in his offensive looks. We know Devonta Freeman coming off an injury-ridden year, and he's been a pretty heavily worked guy. So now you got this handcuff situation and a, a standalone role for Ito Smith, kind of playing that Tevin Coleman role with him heading out. It's an explosive offense, so even if their running backs haven't been much these last couple of years, Ito Smith could emerge. He's going after pick 150 right now, just a guy to make sure you have circled on your penny stock sheet. All right, that's going to wrap up episode number 69. Uh, Wolf, you got any social media you want to pump up before we take off? Like I said, I'm going to drop this thing in a couple days. I'm not going to drop it tonight. Yeah, and uh, and then last two penny stocks, Jalen Sanders and John. No, just to mention, I kind of had like a quick note that because Connor and Jones are falling, People have to rise in that that light. And I do think Jalen Samuel and Jamal Williams are getting ridiculously overlooked right now in best ball drafts because either one of them could emerge as the starter at some point in the season. And it sounds like they're going to have standalone roles, as is anyway. So very impressive, like handcuff value, plus that standalone, that handcuff with benefits we talk about, right? So both those guys, I think, make great handcuff with benefits. So I wanted to throw them out there. But yes, if you plus, like you what you heard. Plus you can put Jalen Samuels in as a tight end in Yahoo. <laughs> I, those comments are the fucking worst. Those oh, I know. little I know. culture nerd, like meaning and shit the fuck up. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. Right, right, right. We uh, love all of you. Seriously, your your opinions are valid. Yes, kind of. Um, <laughs> but this is the Fantasy Fullback Dive, and we appreciate you tuning in. We're paving that path to your 2019 titles. The work starts now. Not a lot of people are going to know these transcripts and read these interviews and know these nuggets. So if you liked what you heard, we're always going to be bringing this kind of game-changing, different perspectives than you're used to in the fantasy industry. Subscribe, review us, let us know how we're doing. We'd really appreciate it. It would mean the world to us if you, you take the time and do that. And if you want to follow us on all our socials, Roto Street Journal on Everything, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Roto ST Journal on Twitter. Me personally, you can find at Roto Street Wolf. Obviously, I love talking this stuff. Uh, clearly, I'm reading 70 pages of interview transcripts to find little nuggets like these. I love this beyond life. So hit me up at any time. I would love to chat with you guys and, and let us know what we're doing. Let us know what we can do for you in the offseason to help you get that 2019 title. All right. My name is Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Take it easy, guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 and wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole.
Old-fashioned football right there, folks.